This Word on Fire Minute is brought to you by Advantage Futures. As Catholics, we must take advantage of new technology to spread the faith. Wordonfire.org is on the front lines, featuring the work of one of the church's best messengers, Father Robert Barron. At wordonfire.org, you'll find inspirational podcasts, videos, audio sermons, books, DVDs, and the Catholicism Project. It is one of the most ambitious efforts ever to promote the Catholic faith to the world. Catholicism is Father Barron's global documentary series, filmed in high definition and now in production for TV and DVD. Father Barron's series will illustrate the beauty and depth of the church and explain the Catholic faith on our own terms. It will be an exciting new way for families, parishes, and schools to teach Catholicism. Preview the production, join our email list, and contribute to the Catholicism Project at wordonfire.org. Become part of the story today. This is Cardinal Francis George. I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Word on Fire Catholic Ministries is a nonprofit ministry at the forefront of Catholic evangelization, using new media to spread the faith on every continent. Father Barron challenges us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of Love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us, so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The global benefactors of Word on Fire, with the support of the Archdiocese of Chicago, now present Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, one of the most important lessons in the spiritual life is this. Don't open the door to your own future. Let me say that again. Don't open the door to your own future. Always allow God to open it for you. The fallen self, or if you want, the ego, is always interested in making its own way, finding its own path, setting its own agenda. And let's face it, from the time that we're little people, people have placed in us a whole set of expectations. And then we strive to realize them. So much wealth, so much success, so much fame, etc. Then I'll be happy. When the door doesn't appear, we create it. And when it doesn't open, we kick it open. That's what I've called the ego drama. That's life lived on your own terms, with your own goals. You are creating and kicking open your own door. Well, you know something in the Bible and the great spiritual tradition. Much of the spiritual life is about waiting, watching, keeping vigil. The spiritual masters talk a lot about being awake. You find that in Jesus himself and all the great spiritual teachers. This is because the whole point is to be aware, to be awake, when God opens the door that he wants you to go through. See, it's not you kicking open your own door. It's you being awake and alert so that when God opens the door, you're ready to go through. That's keeping vigil. Now, I'm talking about this because we see the principle on display very clearly in our first reading. 
which is taken from the book of the prophet Amos. You know, I love uh, the minor prophets, so-called, Amos and Zechariah and Hosea, many others. They're called minor, not because they're of minor importance, but because they're just shorter texts. The major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel, are just longer texts. Uh, But we should pay very close attention to the minor prophets. And here's uh, Amos. We see that when he's challenged as to his authority, Amos protests that he was a simple shepherd and a tender of sycamores. And then he explains, God, for some reason, opened a door and invited him to walk through it. Here's here's Amos' point. We're probably going to miss this, but he wasn't vying for the position of prophet. He wasn't in the in the special club of prophets, the special group. He wasn't hankering after spiritual advancement. He didn't see it as part of his career plan. Rather, he responded when God called. And God's call was unexpected. How often that's the case in the great uh, prophets and patriarchs and spiritual figures is they weren't ready for this. But there it was. See, our problem, though, is we tend not to take the language of vocation seriously. Vocatio, a calling. Rather, we embark on careers, you know, of our own making, our own construction. And then we wonder why we're so unhappy. I love the statement from Oscar Wilde, the great uh, Irish writer. He said, the only thing worse than not getting what you want is getting what you want. Let that one sink into your soul. I think it's very telling. That's the trouble with the ego drama, you know? I'm really frustrated because I never got what I wanted. But then I find I'm even more frustrated when I get what I want. Because the idea is not to live on your own terms, but to live on God's terms. To want what God wants for you. And almost certainly that's different than your own career track. Now, we find the same motif very much in the gospel. Jesus summoned the twelve and sent them out. Both expressions are, I think, very important. They didn't so much seek him out, they were called. Jesus summoned the twelve. They weren't religious careerists. Now, there were religious careerists in Jesus' time, people, the scribes and Pharisees and, and uh, temple priests and so on, and I'm not necessarily making, making fun of that, just to point out that the 12 disciples were not that. They were fishermen. They were tax collectors. But they were called unexpectedly by him. Secondly, he sent them. They were apostles. That's all the word means. Apostelain in Greek means to send. A post office is related to that. To post a letter is to send a letter. Well, they were not careerists. They were like letters sent out. They belonged to somebody else, not to themselves. They went where they were told to go. They didn't walk their own path. I see, friends, how difficult I know this is for us Americans to hear. We are the great setters of our own path. You know, don't tread on me. I I determine my own life. I'm free above all. Well, whatever value there is in that, 
it's kind of spiritually dangerous. See now how Jesus hammers the point home. They are to take nothing on their journey but a walking stick. No food, no sack, no money in their belts. See, what are those things? But all the elements that we require in order to feel secure and in control, right? No food. Well, where's my food coming from? Where's lunch today? How about dinner? Where am I going to get them? I worry about that when I travel sometimes. Like, well, uh, there's no food on the plane anymore. So when I arrive, I'm going to be hungry. Where, Where will I get lunch? How about dinner that night? Jesus says, don't take any food with you. No sack. Well, that's like a suitcase. <laughs> that's a change of clothes. Well, of course we're worried about that. And no money in their belts. Well, the belt in ancient times, up through medieval times, was where you carried your money. Our money belt is a descendant of that. But in the ancient times, you'd have your tunic on, then you put a belt around, and on the belt was some kind of little uh, purse or pouch where you kept your money. That's why it's interesting. Why do the Franciscans wear the rope? You know, the rope around their waist. Well, that was Francis' way of saying, I'm not carrying any money. He didn't wear a money belt. He wore just this simple uh, rope. Well, that's what Jesus tells them. Don't have money. Now, can you imagine arriving at O'Hare Airport, embarking on a trip with no money, no wallet, no suitcase, and no food? (laughs) How would you do with that? Well, I, I promise you, I wouldn't do very well. But that's the way Jesus sends them out. How come? Well, it's this fundamental issue. Are we playing a role finally in the ego drama or in the theodrama? Are we trusting in God's direction or are we setting our own tone? In a certain sense, friends, everything else in the spiritual life is secondary. How would you answer that question? See, this, this section of the gospel highlights, it focuses in on this question. You know, a second great theme concerning discipleship emerges as well in these two readings, and that's the theme of opposition. Just know that when you follow the prompting of the Lord, you will meet with opposition. And the reason for this is simple and clear. You will be doing your work, you'll be following your vocation in the midst of a fallen and compromised world. The fallen world, which is predicated upon the ego and its desires, will always perceive the prophet of God as, at best, a troublemaker, and at worst, a dangerous madman. Get used to it. There's the the great challenge. It's ingredient in the spiritual life. When you start living it seriously, you will be seen very negatively by the wider society. When you walk the path that God lays out for you in the midst of a sinful world, You will be blocked, period. Let me say it again. You walk the spiritual path, you will be blocked. That's why sometimes spiritual people in the early days of of their work get so frustrated. Well, expect it. Notice how it happens in the case of Amos. Go back to our first reading. He says this, Amaziah, priest of Bethel, said to Amos, Off with you, visionary. Flee to the land of Judah. Never again prophesy in Bethel, for it is the king's sanctuary and a royal temple. Well, what's behind this? Amos was from Judah. 
from the south, and he had ventured into the northern kingdom in order to preach God's word. And he had come precisely to the royal temple at Bethel, the heart, if you want, of the establishment. Now, I say this, mind you, as a priest, as a, as a proud and happy priest, but there is, in the history of religion, a kind of natural tension between prophets and priests. Priests, almost by definition, serve the religious establishment. And again, nothing in itself wrong with that. They are its officers and official representatives. But there's a tendency for priests, therefore, to get kind of complacent, too settled in, too spiritually comfortable. You know, you want a good example of this? Look no further than the recent sex abuse scandal. I mean, I think part of the problem there was an overly complacent clerical culture. And so priests require prophets. What do I mean? I mean, tough-minded, clear-speaking people who call them back to their authentic spiritual home. Notice, too, how the priest in this passage speaks in the name of the king. Trust me when I tell you that authentic spiritual stuff will always be threatening to kings, to the keepers of the standard order. Boy, and you see that in the early days of Christianity, don't you? When Paul announces over and over again, Jesus curios, Jesus is the Lord. Well, all the lords of the world tremble. They know he's speaking a subversive message. Jesus comes preaching this new kingdom of God. Well, that means, let's face it, that the old kingdoms have to give way. That's why when he's born, it says that Herod and with him all Jerusalem trembled. Spiritual people, think of Francis too, comes to mind. Spiritual people always shake the establishment. They shake the political arrangement and assumptions. And that's why you shouldn't be surprised when you're opposed. Jesus, in fact, in our gospel, tells his disciples to expect a similar opposition. Listen, whatever place does not welcome you or listen to you, leave there and shake the dust off your feet in testimony against them. Now, he's not telling them just to be rude and difficult. He's warning them, it seems to me, that what they should expect is not open arms in every case. They should expect opposition. So, we're all called to be prophets. We're all called to be disciples. What does it mean? It means it's not your life, primarily. It's God's call. It means not the door that you open. It's the door that's opened for you by God. Secondly, it means you will always walk, to some degree, the path of opposition. You will always be met with a kind of block, a kind of obstacle. Well, are we ready? Are we ready for this? That's what discipleship entails. And that's what our two readings, I think, are about for this weekend. And God bless you. I hope you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George, and I pray that God will bless you and those you love. 